just so awesome man we sure do love you and your wife and what a tremendous tremendous ministry you've impacted oh my goodness so many thousands of people and of course a few years ago preaching uh, that youth congress was such a powerful powerful word this is that this is that I remember you preaching that message uh, and 30,000 young people this is that and uh, well here we are is this that that we're facing right now what's your take on all this right now brother Emery you know what I don't know about this Corona's coming from I, I really don't uh, our, our world has been challenged with plagues before uh, but I see it as the, the Bible unfolded signs in the heaven above and in the earth beneath wars, rumors of wars I mean uh, everything that we know that we've been preaching about is sort of like coming in. I just believe this is another science of the end times. And I believe that we are positioned and poised. God is shaking the church. He's rocking the world of people who have never been interested in God or beginning because they know just enough about the Bible to say, wait a minute, is the mark of the beast is this thing? And they're getting, it's a, they're getting a little bit afraid. Now fear is a poor motivator but I won't take it over just being placid at all. And um, so, remember, I just got a deal from my own mind this morning that a little girl that I don't even know in Oceanside, um, well, she's out of our church, and she was FaceTiming her cousin, and her cousin got the Holy Ghost today, talked in tongues for 30 minutes, and all we were doing was memorial service. I was preaching the Holy Ghost. I was preaching, yeah, God is faithful. You don't, you know, yeah, you can take the church, you can run the church out of the building, but you can't run the, you can't get us out. And I would say, God is still faithful. And I'm thinking, like, this little girl gets the Holy Ghost right in the middle of a, of a viral pandemic. I think that God did not start this, but like we say in the projects, I didn't start it. But I'm on end it. That's why I think we're at right now. I don't think God started this, but I think He got in the middle and said, "Hey, and you don't mess with my church too." Oh no, God's going no. I believe we're going to see coming from this a, a great. We need to get ready and poised for revival because God's got a big stick and He's stirring, brother. Oh, and uh, there are people, large people who's got apathetic and just think the church is going to be around. So they need, they need to fire them and make this transition with us. Yeah, wow. That's so true. We're talking with Pastor Sam Emery from Merced, California, and uh, we are live and we're taking your questions. If you would like to um, just submit a question and uh, let us know, this is your chance to uh, talk to the great Sam Emery. And... Uh, anything at all. I know a lot of you have been impacted by his ministry and uh, we are so delighted and honored to uh, to have him online on eChat uh, with us tonight. Brother Emery, I remember uh, that before you uh, were saved, uh, you used to work in the medical field and uh, when you look at this from a, a medical perspective, uh, what's your take on it from a medical perspective? All the, all the guys that I'm talking to say this is a pretty uh, devastating uh, virus. Okay, so it's really nothing to be played with. Uh, if you're having symptoms, it's like uh, 
I think hawks without uh, expectorants, if your temperature is elevated, if you even think you got this thing, you need to get to the doctor and catch it early. Do not play with it. Uh, it has the ability to be uh, to be very uh, debilitating, and it has the ability to kill you. So it's uh, you know we can't play with it, but in the same sense. It's nothing to be, you know, you can't just be fearful and worry about it to death, you know. So if you're symptomatic, they go get checked. Uh, if you're not sure, they have they have a, a lab test for you to, t- to tell you if you're positive or negative. If you think you have been um, out there in somehow contact with somebody, uh, be proactive, not passive about it. Uh, the sooner you get treatment. Now, I don't really know what they're doing about the treatment phase, but uh, I mean, I, you know, we were always, there was always somebody coming through with with uh, TB and tuberculosis or some other deal, you know, and you get a shot and inoculation and all this, but the best thing to do is that if you even think that you have this or you've been in, uh, you know, coming close contact, uh, be proactive, not reactive, you know, and uh, the, everybody that I know that I've talked to, they take it very, very seriously. Uh, wear your mask. I don't think gloves is a big deal anymore. I got, you know, when I get my gas, I put my glove on. I look like Michael Jackson out there with one glove, you know, putting in, because I don't know who touched that thing, you know. And then I got hand sanitizer in my car. I wipe my car off or wipe my steering wheel off. Uh, when I get home, my wife made me debrief. She shoots my shoes down, you know, all, all of that, you know. So, but in the interim of that, we have a nice little patio. We go out, we sit on the patio, we we uh, take our iPhones out. We're on the front porch. We're still living. We're not. We're not turning into this. Uh, I gotta go somewhere. I get in my car, go put my mask on when I get out of my car, not driving down the street with a mask on. I don't know, I need some popo kind of guy. I'm going to rob When you go into these businesses, I have a responsibility to make sure that the people that work there and the other people that are shopping there, I need to be considerate of their health as well. So I think we need to do everything to uh, um, you know, thing where we can spread it or get it spread to us. No, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, people that may be watching this, Brother Emery, right now at home, you know, some of the uh, churches are starting to open back up. I think you had mentioned that you guys were going to have service. Did you have Did you have service this morning? No, no, we we're online today. Okay. Yeah. We're looking probably about the first of June. First of June. You know, for people that are church members, even people that are regular church attenders and, um, you know, churches are starting to open back up. I know California is a little more uh, delayed, but, you know, other churches and other districts and other states and, you know, they're all trying to ease back into going back and gathering. Of course, we're taking all these safety precautions and social distancing and temperature checking and gloves and all. What would you say to people that are still a little bit leery about coming out of their homes and a little bit fearful about even going uh, going to a church? I, I read the other day where um, I think it was on Mother's Day, a church in California uh, had, a, had a service and 180 people got infected in, uh, in the congregation. And uh, you know, people read that and they see that and they're fearful of it. What, what would you What would you say to people that are regular churchgoers? Their church is opening up, 
but they may still not be comfortable in uh, in going to a service. What what would be your advice to them? I would say, really, be honest with you. If you're not comfortable, don't go. You know, I, I wouldn't press it. I mean, as a pastor, I've got to make sure that the church is disinfected. Uh, that the ushers have on masks and gloves. Um, that we have, we're going to check the, check your temperature. If you're if you're above ninety nine, I'm not going to let you in. I'm going to send you back home. Uh, if you're in the uh, vulnerable stage, like I'm thinking about having a separate service for my older client clientele, the older people beyond 75 and 80, let them come in a sterile environment, you know, something clean, have church with them like 9 to 10 because they're up already, and then, and then you know, we'll do the social distancing and nothing there, but the rest of the congregation will do the 25%, but I think if you're fearful, just watch online because you're not, you know, you're going to be afraid and this, the, the experience is not going to be rewarding for you. Um, and, and pray that God let that spirit, that spirit of evidence and anxiety and fear so that you can worship him because you petri dish, but you have to lean more towards your faith than your fear. Gotcha. So, there, you know, faith and fear, fear is in the same environment. But it, it's where I choose to live. So I, 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 you know, I'm not like one of these guys where the blood covers everything. The blood don't cover stupid. All right. So that means I got to make sure I take care of my everybody. I got to make sure I'm looking at. Uh, if you're sick, I do not want you to come. Not because I don't want you at church. You're vulnerable. And so my job is as pastor to make sure that everybody comes. And nobody gets sick, you know. Like, uh, you know, you know, when this thing first happened, there was a couple of cats out there just going full blast, and somebody, like, why don't we do that? I was like, well, I mean, he can do that. Doesn't mean I, I can't do what everybody does. Everybody's unique. Everybody's different. I said, my job is to take care of you and your family, and that's more important to me and everybody jumping around in the church. And I said, if a kid or elderly person or somebody comes up with corona on my on my watch, man, that's, that's devastating to me. And so besides being a pastor, I'm also a caregiver and a caretaker. So I'm going to try to minimize uh, exposure as much as possible. Um, and I'm going to try to communicate them as best as possible so that people understand what the uh, the risk. There's always going to be a risk. You, you know, we're never risk-free anymore, you know. And so, but I'm going to try to minimize those risks to the bear. That's why I'm not starting until June. I mean, we can jump off next week, but, you know, I don't want to do it until I know I've done absolutely everything possible to have an atmosphere that is uh, – church that is safe for everyone that's coming yeah absolutely i think there's a lot of wisdom to that we're talking with pastor sam emory um, pastor in merced california and uh, we're so appreciative of his ministry and he and his wife are very special to all of us here at the east wind um, church and we just we love the opportunity to be able to talk with brother emory just about you know what the Lord has been speaking to him about through throughout this coronavirus. If you're if you're watching, if you're on um, Facebook Live or you're watching uh, through the website, you got any questions, 
or if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to submit that. And uh, we've got a few more minutes here with Brother Emery, and would be happy to uh, asking some questions. Brother Emery, let me just ask you this: Do you see, apart from the medical side of this, and apart of, you know, apart from the reality of the fact that this is indeed a a flu type virus that that has very severe consequences for uh, many people, those like you said that were in the uh, maybe the older years or have underlying medical conditions or whatnot. But apart from all of that, on, from a spiritual standpoint, do, do you feel like that maybe at this point we've moved into maybe a spiritual battle, that, that there are spiritual components that are at work here, and that spiritually speaking there is a, a challenge for the church? Or do you uh, see that this is a great opportunity or both? Okay, I see a little bit of both. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I've been uh, working on while we're going through this is with the congregation uh, um, that I said, and we can we can cry about this, we can get in the proverbial corner, stick our thumb in our mouth and all that good stuff, but you know, the husband is off from work, the kids are out of school, so what we've done is taken this bad situation and turn it into an opportunity to reconnect with God in our homes. To so we're on this deal. The the uh, I called it in the church the ceremonial altar. But in the home is the common altar. It's a personal altar. So we've got the ceremonial altar down. But unfortunately, Pastor, a lot of people never visit the altar until they come to church. And what we have is, as you can see, we have a greater relationship with the building than we do with God. I mean, that's it's totally opposite. So I think I think we should use this as a round. This I don't like this. God didn't do this, but how can we salvage it? And my salvage of the deal is build family altars, crack that. Bible out, start teaching your kids out of the word of God man becomes the priest of the home he prays over the wife and family you're gathered around the Bible as a matter of fact we live stream our prayer meetings from the church and we encourage all of our members to come online with us as we do a what we call a focused prayer meeting and in that prayer meeting they are they are Asked to get up and worship and pray with us over certain subjects and situations. Uh, I tell the man, get up, get some olive oil, anoint your wife, anoint your kids, pray destiny over them. I mean, we don't do that. I mean, and so if if the building, and I love uh, Raymond Wooder. I love this. He's got a deal called Scatter. It's got a buff. But the fourth one is that the church has left the building. And notice he didn't say the people have left the church. Yeah. They say the church has left because the church is is not the building. Uh, it's a place, but the church is a people. It's a building, but we're the body. We're in an organization, but the church is really an organism, a lead, a living, moving, breathing source of apostolic authority and power. But we we our our ultimate relationship has been with the building instead of the God of the building. So I think this is a great opportunity to take lemons and make lemonade out of it. 
and just say, hey, let's get back to the God of our salvation. Let, let's go back to the home. Let's go back to the basics. Because uh, there's no Sunday school. Well, yeah, it is. It's in your house now. So teach your kids about God. Teach them about Jesus in your house. Okay? Everybody's got a little uh, iPhone or, or whatever. Hey, and you got Bible lessons. Go through the Bible in the year. Why are we doing that? Doing these devotional deals every day at your house? Monday evening devotion, Tuesday devotion, Wednesday devotion. That's missing. That's been missing. Some people only get God on the weekends and in the middle of the week. What if we were getting that seven days a week? Can you imagine how how the the service would just blow apart within the first five minutes? Everybody's prayed up. Everybody's praised through. We've been worshiping all week. Now we just get together with this conglomerate thing. And I'm going to tell you what's happened. Miracles would begin to happen. People would begin to get, we wouldn't even be laying hands on people, man. I just, this is just it. God would just start working during the last days. And I believe that God's got a, I believe the church is going to have the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. But all the thing that God's looking for, he said, I need reapers. He said, the harvests are truly plentiful, but I need, I need some people called to the ministry. Now, uh, the, the ministry of, of reconciliation and we should be teaching Bible studies in our home, man. We should bring people that don't know God into our home, praying them through in our home, just bringing them to the church to get them baptized. Yeah. You want to get them baptized? Dad, you got a swimming pool. Don't come. Come on. Call me over. I'll put you down. You know? And I, it's, a, it's a great deal. Of, it's a great property to that where we're one-on-one relationship with people that that we know, and then that grows and grows and grows until it has this exponential point where neighborhood, I mean, we got to do it. I mean, this, I believe that we have been presented with a, with, with a pretty bad pandemic, but we also, on the same end, then handle a great opportunity for revival. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good, Pastor Emery. We're speaking with uh, Pastor Sam Emery from uh, Merced, California. Uh, Pastor, let me ask you this. Are you sensing that there's a greater hunger in your community um, than you've seen before? Have you sensed that people are more hungry spiritually and they're seeing this? Maybe people that are not churched or people that don't go on a regular basis, but maybe they have some background in uh, Christianity. Do 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 you feel like there's a greater hunger than before? I do. I, 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 what I'm doing is I'm relying on the feedback uh, from family members and a lot of the people. You know, there's a lot of backsliders out there um, and people that have, have had like a, a soft, if I could say that, a contact with the church. Uh, but now this is spurring them to, well, maybe I need to get my act together. Um, I think like everywhere I go, I'm like, I'm blessing people here. Like I'm, I went through the Taco Bell to, to get a, a thing of orange juice because they had to go preaching. So I rolled to the lady. I mean, the lady's giving me my orange juice. I was like, "How you doing, young lady? Is is your family fine, or is everybody safe?" And she goes like, "She was like, yeah, you know, thank you for asking." I said, "Well, God bless you." And she go like. Oh, well, God bless you, too, you know, and I'm like, so I rolled and paid my money. How are you doing, young lady? How are you doing, sir? I mean, I rolled out of my house. 
I'll see you Hey, my neighbors are out there. Goes like, hey, are y'all safe? Is everybody in your family fine? Are y'all dealing with this at all? And they look at me like, no, we're good. Like, How are you doing? I said, man, by the grace of God, we're doing good. Man, we're, we're excited and stuff. And they're like, I believe if we start talking God, bro, people are tired of that. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Let's go. No, 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 no. I still believe that no weapon formed against the show possible. I still believe that. Now, it didn't say it would be formed. Didn't say it wouldn't be used. Just said it would not prosper. It would not have the the expectation of your enemy. In other words, you're going to try to kill me, but I will survive. So I believe we have a unique opportunity to start talking Jesus everywhere we go. I went to a big lot. I don't know if y'all have big lot out there. Do y'all have big lot out there? Oh yeah, yeah. No, we have big lot. Okay, yeah. I'm in big lot. You know, I'm, I'm masked and gloved and gowned and all this stuff. Somebody go, Pastor Henry! I'm going like, oh my God, seriously. I can't even hide in a mask, you know? <laughs> and so there's this lady over there and she goes, oh, I'm just so afraid and I don't know what to do. I put my stuff down. I grabbed her hands and I started praying in big lot. Everybody's looking around. Hey, bro, I mean, if they ain't going to come... To Jesus, I'm gonna take Jesus to you, baby. So we pray. Oh, Pastor, she's hugging me. I'm not, you know. Oh, thank you, Pastor. I feel so much better. Stuff like that. I don't like. Oh, the heaviness and fear. I said, "What are you fearful of? Everybody's fearful. All you do is talk faith." By the time I got home off the phone, this lady was ready to take the world, and all I did was talk her around to faith. I didn't. I didn't say, "Don't worry about Corona." I never said that. I just say, "There's more working for you than things against you." I had another guy call me. I, I don't know what to do, Pastor. He's having panic attacks and anxiety attacks, and it's going around. I said, "So let's look at what's going for you instead of again." By the time, by the time I just got to talk to her, I said, "Okay, let's pray." So we prayed on the phone. Roll off the Nicodemus, man. Get yourself some salt cone. Lick the ice cream. Drive. Wife and Jordy. You know, like, man, I'm going to do it right now. I'm up and ready to roll. So we have, bro, Pastor, we have an opportunity that that God has served on a silver platter. I'm serious. Everybody that should be talking faith and vision, it should be us. We shouldn't be talking this doom and gloom. We should be like, hey, it's, it's, everything's going to be alright because our God is still on the throne. Not minimizing that we're in a pandemic, not minimizing because I've had friends that passed away. I mean, uh, uh, Brother Eli Hernandez is my buddy, man. This dude, I mean, it hurt me. But I'm just saying, uh, we still have this opportunity to, to tell people about the God that we serve. And I think it's a great opportunity. And I believe there is a hunger. Anytime there is a pandemic or anytime there is catastrophe, people automatically start thinking about God. Automatically. And I think this is our opportunity to tell them about the God we serve. That's so good, Brother Emery. That's so good. What are you feeling in the in the Holy Ghost about? You know, at the first of the year, we uh, we felt like the Lord um, spoke to us. Brother Brother Morgan was a confirmation with him as well that God was going to give us a great harvest this year. And uh, we launched in. We believed God was going to fill 500 people with the Holy Ghost. And and uh, all of a sudden, we're in the middle of this pandemic. We're having service online. Then we're having drive-in services. And 
you know, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said, Hey, people are going to get the Holy ghost that you don't, that you don't know about, but you know, there's still a part of us and maybe, I don't know, it's just in our DNA or in our culture of what we're used to about praying with people, laying on of hands, praying with people. We had two people that got the, got the Holy ghost today, but what, what is the Holy ghost speaking to you about how we can, how we can reap this harvest? Because there's this hunger, there's this desire, uh, people in the community or, you know, we were broadcast in one service. We were just filming live in the church and a lady drove by in her car and came into the church. We'd never seen her before. And she's like, I want to get baptized. And we baptized her in Jesus name. So there's this hunger that's in the community. And here we are trying to find a balance between being safe and being evangelistic. And what, what do you feel in the Holy Ghost about how we as churches and ministers can reap that harvest? <laughs> Again, I, I keep going back to the same thing because I think it's all interloping and, and folding together. Is that I've I, I baptized 15 people this year already. I mean, and uh, some of them, um, you know, 15, yeah, 15 or 18 people. And this is people baptized. I said, sure. You know, we, we have to schedule it anymore. You know, but I believe that, uh, you know, when, when they cross the and we're going into the promised land. Uh, the Bible says that the Jordan overflowed in banks. Mm. There's always these mitigating circumstances that surrounds harvest. It was harvest time, but the banks were overflowing. Mm. And it's not conducive. But that doesn't mean it's not a harvest. So if God says there's a harvest, it's a harvest. We just need to find the correct field. So one of the things we need to learn how to do is ask God, where are the right, where is the right harvest for me to be reaping in? Because he's the Lord of the harvest. So it says, pray and ask the pray the Lord of the harvest so he can send laborers into his field. Oftentimes, we want to go into our field and the, the harvest is not right there. So nobody wants God. When in fact is, if I find the right field, that's already, because he told the disciples, look on the fields, plural, not one, not one, plural. The, and, and how Jesus saw things, he said, the field is ripe and ready. He could not see, when he was sitting there, he was looking at a bunch of Samaritans all dressed in white, you know, going, and, and the, and the, the disciples were looking at Samaritans and had pretty much discounted them as being harvest. So God is going to lead us to people that we think like, that ain't ready for God. He goes like, oh yeah, that is. Because I'm he, everybody that got the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, God went before them. Uh, Ananias was not going to see Paul. He goes, I already talked to him. You need to go talk to him again because this is a cat. He's killing everybody. And I ain't going. He was like, you know, he's waiting on you. He's blind. He's waiting on you, my man. Go talk to him. You know, then they, you know, they call for Peter to come to Carnitas. Peter's like, I'm not going down there. That's unclean. And God says, well, I'm clean. Or don't call, you know, don't call unclean, but I'm clean. And Peter's struggling because he's looking at it from the, he's not looking at it from a harvest point. Looking at these people ain't ready. We don't know who's ready for God, but God knows who's ready for God. So contacts, man, is the whole deal. And that's why I'm telling people, 
talk positive wherever you go. But don't afraid to speak the name of the Lord. Somebody tell you they're sick, pray for them right there. Come on, come to church. No, that's our problem. Come to church. No, pray for them right there. I mean, literally pray for them right there. I went to the emergency room. I had to go in the back of the emergency room to see somebody. I walk into a pastor room and these people that standing there trying to go into the emergency room. They got the flu. What did I do? I prayed for them in the lobby. I prayed for them in the lobby right there. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and, then, and then I go, pray for me. Everybody knows. Now, I'm stuck in the lobby praying for everybody. Because they're trying to get away from that hospital bill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying but <laughs> Pray with people, man. You, we got this opportunity. People are afraid. We should not be. We should be cautious. We should be careful, but we should not be afraid. I mean, we can. I can get the coronavirus and die today, but God is still real. You, see, you understand what I'm saying? Sure. I'm still in. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid now to say, hey, the Lord is still here. So I pray with people. You know, my wife prays with people. And I'm telling you, I mean, I had some ladies call me, oh, Pastor, you never begin to happen. This person out in the neighborhood, we were on the street, I was coming out of Target, and that lady was here, and all of a sudden, uh, and it just clicking, clicking, and, and then the Lord touched it, and they just excited. It's been like that. It's, it's, and we, unfortunately, for we're bound to the building, and God wants to get us out of the building, get in the street. You want us in the street. That's where the people live. He told us to go to the highways, the byways, and the hedges, right? That ain't in the church, man. And the last thing I see spiritually from this, what God showed me, when when uh, Ezekiel is measuring the temple, in Ezekiel 37, 38, 40, somewhere in there, he walks out, he's walking out of the temple, right? There's this angel dude with like a reed. He measures a thousand furlongs, Right? When he goes across the threshold of the temple, he steps into some water, ankle deep. The man takes a reed and measures, and he, he goes out to the next measure, and he says, it was around my ankles. He takes it and measures it again. He said, it was around my loins. He takes it and measures it again. He said, it was up by my chest. And the last time he said, it was so deep, I could not cross over. He starts swimming it. So, Pastor, my deal is, why is the water getting deep the further away he gets from the temple? Because God says, get me out of the building, out there where the people are. Wow. So we wouldn't get out, so he kicked us out. <laughs> so I'm thinking, <laughs> get out of here, get out there where the people live. Yeah. And I, we're, having, we're having testimony after testimony of people saying as soon as church comes now a lot of them won't come but a lot of them will I think there is a revival already made for us but we need to ask God where is this revival and where what should we expect and how can we get ready for it I got you yeah that's really good we're talking with Pastor uh, Sam Emery from Merced California and California of course is in a very very unique position where they're uh, they're still shut down but uh, they're starting to try to open up. Brother Emery, you mentioned that you guys are going to start trying to uh, have service the 1st of June. Uh, what are you doing for Pentecost Sunday? Are you, are you going to be are you going to be having a service uh, Pentecost Sunday? I'm, just, I'm going to do it online, all our campuses. It's going to go online. Everybody's going to go online. 
I don't I don't see us being strategically ready to to open. Even if the governor opens up the state, I don't see us strategically ready to where I feel like it's going to be coming. I'm doing my due diligence to make sure everybody's safe. You know, so I, I don't think I can do that because. I got, I'm ordering masks um, for every, I mean, for people that don't have them. Um, I'm ordering thermometers to make sure we take every, you know, and I need to get to the, you know, with staff. So I think it'll take us a couple of weeks because we're going we're gonna to disinfect the place within an inch of the light when they come and when they go. If I have two or three services, that means the, 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 the auditorium is going to have to be dis- disinfected two or three times. So I, I I don't think we can just get really ready. I would rather open up late and ready than open up early and almost ready. Mm-hmm. I just I, I I just don't I just not even gotta make sure I do my due diligence to make sure everybody under my care is gonna be safe. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. We we're in Florida here and we've been blessed uh to have you know, um, a very positive um, political environment, for lack of a better term, with the governor declaring, you know, that churches are essential. And we've had drive-in services, and we've had a couple of weeks where we, we filmed uh, online, but then we've been back in uh, service for maybe two or three uh, weeks now. And, uh, of course, today I'm, we had a, had a great service today. I. I was thinking about how, though, that for a lot of churches and a lot of places, you know, it's a lot more challenging. And I was thinking about, I don't know if you remember, you remember a message that you preached uh, a long time ago called Behind the Ephod? Yes, yeah, I do. Yes. It's such such an awesome message. And you talked a little bit about, you know, David, when he went back to that, he was on the run from King Saul and he goes back to the... Um, to the to the temple and the, the high priest and of course uh, Saul had put a, a bounty out on his head and uh, anybody that talked to him was of course in danger of losing their life but he uh, he went there and he and they they had the ephod there which was a representation of the uh, the presence of the Lord and worship and coming into his his presence that ephod you know that David uh, put on uh, even as the temp- the uh, Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem and all, but you know, you you talk in that message about how that the uh, David had to make a choice between going for the ephod, the presence of God, or going for that sword, uh, Goliath's sword that was there uh, in that temple, and how we all have to make a decision uh, whether or not we're going to go for the anointing of God or we're going to take things into our own hands. You know, in some ways, I see a, a parallel between that and where we are today. How is it that we can stay, Brother Emery, operating in the spirit with the ephod instead of getting caught up in all of this uh, environment that we're in and all the human element of it? How do we stay committed to the ephod rather than trying to pick up that sword and take matters into our own hands? Well, that's that's a good question because... You know, um, you know, when you fast forward that when David was at Ziklag, notice he didn't make the same mistake. He went in the Bible says he went in the tent and he put on the ephod and he said, God, shall I pursue after this truth? 
and the Lord said, pursue and overtake, we shall surely recover all. So I think that one of the deals that we have to do is that, you know, let the politicians stay in the politician arena and let the church stay in the spiritual arena. That's one of the best deals I could do. David was a little younger than he did. I was coming down old, so a little more cooking going on for me. Um, so I'm letting the politicians work all this stuff out on the political side. I'm over here, you know. Uh, uh, for me, David thought I need a weapon, not understanding that God is the weapon, you know. And so I, one of the deals, again, what we're doing is I'm trying to get our people to go back to uh, the old school of altars in the home. And that's my desire. That's my drumbeat, man. Don't ask me because I'm going to be beating this drum until Jesus comes. You know, and so, you know, uh, the altar in the home, I mean, because we just don't have enough in the church. I mean, the church is great. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's three, let's just call them three, two hours. That's, that's, that's six hours a week. That's not enough. That's not enough. When, when when Jacob went to to uh, the fail, he didn't even know where he was. You know, he woke up and go like, "Oh my God, this is the house of God and the gate." That's an opening. But he was at an open place where God was, where angels was ascending, descending. Had no idea where he was. I wonder how that's how many times that we are at the gate where angels are ascending and descending, and there's a spiritual window open, but we're not seeing. When go back to Ezekiel when he was there at, at the brook Chebok there, everybody, he said I was amongst the captives, but I was in, I was in the spirit. He said I saw a vision. Everybody else was crying because of captivity. He was not. A, he said I was amongst the captive, but he never said he was one. John on the Isle of Patmos always thought Patmos was one of these humps of, you know, a hump of dirt with one pine, with one palm tree. He's out there all by himself. It was a penal colony. Right. He was in jail, for God's sake. And, but he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord. So my deal is, if, if John can find a place to get in the spirit, a portal, or opening, if, if, uh, Ezekiel can find it. Why can't we find it? John found one when he baptized Jesus. The Bible says, and the heavens were open. See, we're looking for it, and it's in front of us. I believe that when you begin to pray and fast, I mean, all of this stuff, what happens is there's a opening, heaven opens, and out of that portal, if I could use that word, of that door or that window, pulls, pours things from God down to us. Remember Solomon, his wisdom never got above the heavens. It, 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 the Bible says nothing's new under the heaven. But when Jesus came, he said the greater than Solomon is here because he's not going to bring his stuff under heaven. He's going to bring his stuff from above the heavens. Because he's the one that's high. He's up. He's he's he, he's Highly exalted above all things. He's higher than the principality power, spiritual wickedness in high places. He's he's far above them. Far above them. 
And so our wisdom and our knowledge and our understanding is not coming from under the heaven. It's coming from above the heavens. And he's given us spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding to handle spirit things. But you only get that at that altar experience. It's where Abraham met God. It's where Noah was. It's where David was. All the guys that we think were great in God had an altar experience in their life. And God met them there systematically. Every time Abraham built an altar, something changed in his life. He took he took Isaac up on top of that Mount Moriah there. And what I like about that whole scenario is Isaac knew exactly what it took to worship. He said, I've got the wood, you got the rope, you got the knife, you got the fire, I see that altar, but where is the burnt offering? And in other words, Abraham had taught his son what it took to worship. And we did that to our kids. Mm-hmm. The only way we can do that is we got to worship and show them how to worship. And the way you do it is not the altar at the church. That's a ceremonial altar. It's our altars in our home where we get our family there and then put these things of God into them so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. I think we're missing a great opportunity here to uh, impart some things in our children, in our families, had an altar experience with God that they will never, ever forget. And they won't grow up and like, is this that? They will like, no, this is that. I know this is it because I had an altar spirit in my home. It was something away from the church. Because everything, if I, I could just get back to that building, and no, the building's innocuous. If I can get back to God, and God is not confined in the building. He's, he's the ever-present, almighty. Um, you can't be incontainable, man. And so, you know, I have an altar here. My wife has, we you know, we share altars. We, we pray together, but she a little private place. That means don't come here because I'm talking to God about you, fool. That's the only thing to go there. But I love it. So, so it's the deal, you know. So I said, I'm going in here and pray because I got to talk to God about you, you know. <laughs> and so we need that altar. And if we could build these family altars and come and worship God every day at these altars, because when God, when our relationship with God is at its top, every other relationship before us is in check. But if my relationship with God is some kind of skewed, everything my words messed up. My relationship with God governs my relationship with my wife, my kids, my employers, my employees. Everything around me is gauged by how connected I am to Him. That means how connected I am to them. Wow, that's so good. So good, Pastor Emery. You know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking I, I, I heard or read a statistic recently that in the state of California where you pastor, that there's been more people die from suicide during this time than there has been from the coronavirus. And it seems like this unique opportunity that we have to come together as families, that the, the enemy's wanting to hijack that and to take that and use it against us. And rather than it be in a spiritual atmosphere, it's become a hostile atmosphere. And um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, let me just sort of end with this question. What would be your advice to people on how to really build that altar in their homes so that this is a positive rather than a negative time? Okay. I would say pick a place in your house 
coffee table, dinner table, anything that you can open a Bible and pray with your family around. We're not talking about having a three-hour prayer. That ain't going to work with your kids, all right? We're talking about opening the Bible, reading a few verses, explaining the verses, and then start praying. I do advocate for dads to go in their kids right before you put them to bed and pray with children when you put them in the bed. And then pray for them in the morning before you send them out to the to you know, to the work. I mean and just that you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it does consistent time. So they prayed often, they fasted often, and prayed always. So, I mean, I've never did a 40 day fast, and I ain't trying to do one, you know what I'm saying? 40 minutes good for me, but I'm just saying, it's the cumulative effect of it. Anybody can build an altar in their home. It is there, you know, you don't need anything. It's a place where you and God talk. I'm not talking about being a prayer warrior or an intercession, that'll come, but it's just a place where I take myself and I get my flesh under subjection and you're gonna pray. And you this is you pray with your children. How is so our children gonna know how to pray if they don't listen to us pray? You pray with your wife, when your wife prays with right. And so it's one of the greatest fairies of my life running all around trying to be an evangelist and not teaching my kids how to pray. Because now they're going, Dad, how do I pray about this? And what did I pray about that? And I'm talking about, oh, man, I didn't teach them. I'm teaching everybody else. So as we are trying to win the world, don't lose the world right around you. We're going to us to lose our kids and relatives trying out from Let's, let's win the people right around our feet. Because if, if we get to heaven and they're not there, it's not going to be heaven. So we have this opportunity to connect with the people right around our feet, right closest to our heart, right dearest to us. And then we branch out from there. Mm-hmm. A strong church, a strong church don't make a strong family. But strong families will build strong churches. Amen. Well, that's so good, Brother Emery. So good. You were mentioning Abraham, and I was thinking about how when the Lord told Abraham about what he was going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, and of course Abraham negotiated with him down to if there be ten righteous people. You know what's interesting about that in Genesis? <laughs> what's neat about that when in Genesis 19 is that when you go through Lot's family, you realize that there were at least ten in his family. There were he and his wife. It said they had sons, so it was at least two of them. That's four. He had two daughters that were unmarried. Uh, that was six. And then he had two daughters that were married to two sons-in-law. So to your point, if Lot wins his family, the entire community, the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are saved. All Lot has to do is win his family. But when he told them that judgment was coming, they said he was one that, that beateth the air. So... To your point, if we can just win our families, we can do more for this civilization that we're in, more for this world, by just raising up our family. You know what? My deal, if I can win my family, I have won the world. Because Abraham, how many people did Abraham say? Eight souls, right? But the Bible says, the commentary says, Abraham saved the world then present. And all he saved was his family. Wow. But it was his world. If I could, Pastor, if I could save my world, man, mm. man, 
But if I go out and win all of that world, but my world is lost, I'm not. I'm not doing due diligence. You know, I've got to save my world. I, I, a drowning man or a cat that doesn't know how to swim cannot save somebody that's drowning because both of them are going So, but if I can save my world, my, my, my wife, my, my children, my son-in-laws, sister-in-laws, and uh, daughter-in-laws, and uh, grandkids, and nephews, I mean, good God, have mercy, man. That, that is my world. And then branch out from there, you know? Um, so if we can just save our world, if we can just save our kids and our family members, man, it, it, and everything else will fall in place. Yeah. I really believe that. And that's what I'm trying to do, man. Just yeah. trying to set those people right around my feet, you know? Yeah. And there's no time like this to be able to, to your point, build an altar and to raise up that spiritual atmosphere for, for those that we're closest to. Well, we've been talking with Pastor Sam Emery from Merced, California, and we're so thankful for he and his wife and their church and the great ministry and all the uh, people that they have impacted with their ministry. Pastor, I just ask you, first of all, I want to thank you for, for joining us tonight and just ministering to us and just sharing what's on your heart and just ask that you would uh, just pray over us as we're dismissed here tonight. I'm in the, in the precious name, Jesus. I pray that... Uh, you would give us a burden of prayer and a burden for just reaching our family right around us and then branching out to reach those that just a fingertip uh, from us, oh God. I pray that uh, we can develop this personal, intimate relationship with you and then branch out to tell others about the one that we love and loves us. Uh, right now you put a, uh, a very powerful and uh, changing opportunity in our hands. And let's not slip it for fear. Let us see what you're doing. Involve us, oh God, I pray, in your plans, uh, uh, according to what you're going to do. When you disclose to us how to reach the world that you have given us and give us the authority and power to do that right now. We bless everyone on this uh, broadcast. If there's anybody dealing with this virus, we uh, come against it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray healing to your body, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. And we pray healing to anybody in your family or loved ones or friends or neighbors. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to lift up your name and just tell somebody how great you are. I do appreciate that for all things you've done for me and my wife, my family, and my church, and the church you will allow me to pastor. And Pastor Meyer is one of my great friends. I thank you for them and their church and his wife and family and all of those that are connected to him. And we pray this prayer in the matchless, wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, thank you, Pastor Emery. It was so good, so rich. And thank you for joining us tonight for eChat. Now we look forward to uh, thank you. We look forward to tomorrow night. Brother Landon Gore is going to be ministering and I e revival at seven p.m. and then on Tuesday night, Brother Mark Morgan, also from California, is going to be joining us and has got a powerful word for us on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And then don't forget, we're back in our uh, main auditorium on Wednesday night uh, for a live uh, midweek service. So I know you'll be blessed. Now, may God bless you and your home and your family. May the Lord keep you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow night on E-Revival. God bless you in Jesus' name.